0: We go under the water, we're identifying with Jesus' death. We come out of the water, we come out as a new creation. We come out. It's uh, a picture of our sins being washed away. And uh, just like Jesus went down in the grave and came back to life, it's kind of like we go down in the grave, we identify with his resurrection. I dare you to love- That was Lauren. Can you celebrate with Lauren her baptism a couple of weeks ago? you didn't get the whole story um, we uh, wanted to be able to show that a little bit she contacted us about six weeks ago and said hey I'm not going to be here during the baptism time but I uh, would really love to get baptized uh, she lives in Utah she said there just aren't any churches around where I'm at and uh, I'm going to be home I'd like to get baptized on my birthday if I could and so on Thursday around noon a couple weeks ago we went down to uh, actually down to lighthouse Beach and we were going to do all the video and then once once we got started. The wind picked up. Thunder started to happen. Rain started to come. Uh, Jason's underneath an umbrella with his phone trying to record everything. But we still had a great, great time. And, and uh, we're hoping throughout this next couple of months to show you lots of different testimonies. But it was a great, great time together. If you have your Bibles, would you take them and turn to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 10. Going to start a new series today called Daring Faith. And this is where we're going to be for the next few weeks together. I don't know if you heard or not. Don't want to be the bearer of bad news. We've been hearing about spikes in COVID. And they're telling people to kind of be careful. And you're hearing all kinds of states doing different things. And I don't know you don't want to hear it. But I just, I, I feel like I need to give you a warning today. Can I give you a warning? I, uh, I, I got a note that came to me a couple of years ago. And um, it was someone that was during that whole height of COVID. And said, hey, I went to a restaurant. Went to the bathroom. I did everything right. I did everything you're supposed to do went to the restroom, used my, used my sleeve to open up the door. I went inside. I actually washed my hands before I used the restroom. I went into the stall, and I was done. I took my, my foot and flushed the toilet and came back out, and I, I washed my hands saying, happy birthday to me, happy birthday to me, happy birthday, dear Phil, happy birthday to me. And got a towel and I, I turned off the, the spigot with the towel and I, when I went to, to get out I used my elbow to get out of the restroom and got back to my table I realized they hadn't pulled my pants up. <laughs> just a warning. Just a warning. That's all I'm just, just saying. Be careful. Be careful. My wife told me I shouldn't tell that. I, uh, and some of you go amen. Amen. A uh, A series. Daring faith, daring faith, just an idea. Came to me months and months ago. I said, Daring faith. I like this idea. This last week, I looked up what the word daring means. And the word daring, I was kind of surprised. It means adventurous. It means audaciously bold. I love that. Audaciously bold, a little nervy, and I realized wow. When we talk about faith, when we talk about responding in faith, that it's, uh, that, that it's adventurous, it's audaciously bold. There's a passage in Scripture immediately that jumped to my, my mind. I put it in your notes. It's out of Luke chapter 11. When Jesus is sp- speaking about prayer and about having faith in prayer, he says, I tell you, Uh, he's telling the story about a guy it's a parable about a guy who comes at night and he asks his his friend for bread he says i tell you the truth he will not give up and give you bread uh, because of your friendship yet because of your shameless audacity he will surely get up and give you as much as you need and the lord when he talks about prayer talks about shameless audacity i love that that's a great phrase Or in Romans, Romans chapter 1, Paul is talking about the gospel. And he says the gospel, the good news, shows us how God makes people right with Himself. And it begins and it ends with faith. The Scripture says that those who are right with God will live by trusting Him. I love that. Or that word faith in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. He says it very simply in verse 6. Without faith, It is impossible to please God. Would you read that with me? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Sometimes I think we overcomplicate things a little bit. We get a little too complicated when we realize God calls us to be people who live by faith and he wants us to have daring faith. Over these next couple of weeks, we're just gonna talk about different ways that audacious, adventuresome faith is what God calls us to. And I wanna take you to Mark chapter 10. Now, we could have gone to Matthew 19. We could have gone to Luke uh, 18. Both of them bring us a little bit different aspect of this, but I'm going to Mark, and I'll explain it a little bit later, but Mark, because it's the earliest gospel, and I think Mark has a personal attention to the story that we're going to look at today now in Mark chapter 10 it says in verse 13 that people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them but the disciples rebuked them and when Jesus saw this he was indignant he said to them let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these interesting he uses that phrase the kingdom of God Um, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus he says "I, I tell you the truth you cannot enter into the kingdom unless you be born again and to the Samaritan woman when he's speaking to her he talks about streams of living water but this passage it's kind of an application along the same idea he says for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these I tell you the truth anyone who will not receive the kingdom like a little child will never enter it Verse 17 says, As Jesus started on his way, meaning they're connected. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I I, I find the, the connection so interesting. Almost like Jesus could have just said, hey, where were you a few minutes ago? That I just literally talked about this. But Jesus looked at him and said, why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. Matthew adds in, love your neighbor as yourself. Teacher, he declared, I have done all of these since I was a boy. And interesting, Matthew adds this in. It's inferred in this passage. I have done all of this since I was a a little boy. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, uh, and and, and it says, Mark, this is the reason I chose Mark. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus isn't mad when the Lord begins to speak to you about these things. It's not because he hates you. It's because he loves you. And sometimes he has to say hard things, but he does so because he loves us. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now Jesus looked around and he said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said it again. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed, and they said to each other, well, who then can be saved? And I want you to see this verse. It's really impactful. Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible. With God. Now the reason I focus on this passage isn't because this is an anti-wealth or an anti-rich message. In fact, I would share with you that Jesus isn't as concerned about the man's wealth as to what the man was trusting in to enter into the kingdom of God. You'll find that 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 whatever it is in our life, whether it be relationship or whether it be um, our church attendance, whether it be our family, whatever it is, even if it's wealth, whatever it is that we tend to trust in and we're trusting in that for our future, Jesus usually wants to point that out and he wants to deal with that in our life. It's interesting to me. This man is very clear. He just wants to know how to Enter into the kingdom of God. He wants to know what it means to have eternal life. He he wants to know what it is that when this life is over, how do I know for certain that someday I am going to be, whether you call it heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, eternity, paradise, whatever you want to call it, I want to know that when this life is over, that I'm going to be there. And it's interesting because... As he is being in this interaction with Jesus, we start to notice that there are some commonalities between what this guy is trusting in and what a lot of people are trusting in today. There are four of them that I find to be pretty impactful. We tend to see it all the time, and you'll notice that it comes out in this guy's life. First of all, many are trusting in our legacy to get us into the kingdom of heaven. Now, you'll notice that his legacy is he is a certain ruler. Um, He has a position of power, which means that he's from a family of influence. Um, Solomon said this. If you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's interesting. Solomon looked at his legacy as a way of having some kind of eternal significance. If you go there and read it, he talked about following pleasure and following wealth. But then what he says is, and I built all kinds of libraries, and I did this incredible grand archaeological things. I built all kinds of things, but in the end, it was meaningless. In other words, my legacy is going to be determined by the things that I do in this life, and that's what's going to get me eternal life for some of us it's, it's our family mom was a prayer warrior grandma was a saint my brother-in-law was a priest uh, my, my family all went to church when I was little my family's always been we gave we, we put up a building at the church and there's, there's this dependency that can develop that because of my family of origin my legacy that will be enough for me to inherit eternal life Sometimes it's it's not our legacy; it's it's sincerity. There is no doubt this guy was sincere. Notice when you read this passage, it says, um, "As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees." This guy was sincere. He he was desperate. He was looking. He, was, he, he, he wasn't afraid to let Jesus know that he was going to humble himself to whatever Jesus was going to say. And I'm watching this move. Now, I understand it. I really do. There's this move over the last 20, 30 years that people reject. Now, get me. I understand why. They reject religion. They reject organized church that's the phrase i hear now what i am is spiritual and i understand that i actually in some ways i love it because it's not about a place or a bunch of rules that's that's not what i'm trusting in it's about connection with the spiritual and i would applaud that i would add one thing spirituality without truth still leaves you lacking you can be sincere i'll be honest with you i can sincerely believe i can walk off this stage and the law of gravity will not affect me but if i do it you're still going to call the the, the paramedics right because i'm going to sincerely break my nose I, just because i trust and believe something if I'm not trusting or believing in the right thing, and so I can be sincerely wrong. And, and so we want to be really cautious on this thing. And this guy, this guy was sincere. In fact, Jesus knew him really well. He had something very similar and very com- in common with Nicodemus in that he just assumed that if he could get better and better and better and better and better and better, eventually, I'll be across the line. I'll be there. And you can believe that, and you can be sincere, and sincere about that, but you will sincerely be lacking. Sincerity. Subtraction. I'm going to trust in subtraction. Um, now notice, if I can just get rid of enough stuff in my life so that I'm cleaned up enough, I will eventually... Be across the line. Uh, Notice he says, uh, uh, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Notice he says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do, do not, do not, do not, do not. Do not. Uh, that's different than don't it, don't it, don't it. That's my way of looking at it. Do not. If I can just get rid of enough of the wrong things in my life, I don't, I don't, I don't get drunk. I'm not doing drugs. I didn't kill anyone. I didn't. And so, if I can just get enough things. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's not that giving up is a wrong thing. That's a beautiful thing frankly when I came to Christ he dealt with a lot of stuff in my life that simply because I want to honor the Lord I don't want to do stuff that's going to but that isn't what gets us across that line or rather than subtraction how about if I serve enough, if I, if I do enough right things, right? It's not just taking enough wrong things away. i got to do enough right things. And that's why Jesus says, well, you know it says honor your father and mother. That's not a negative. That's a positive. In fact, you'll notice that Man, uh, Matthew kind of brings in, and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, I'm going to be really kind to other people. And so, so if I will just be, if I can get enough of the bad stuff out of my life and enough of the good stuff out of my life, or into my life, if I can get enough good stuff, I will eventually be across the line. Now, here's here's the thing. This guy knew. He knew he still lacked something. Matthew brings it up. I've done all these things. I've done all of these things since I was a young boy. What do I still lack? Do you do you hear the desperation in that? What do you mean? I've done all of that. I've followed the rules. I've invested in others. I, I've 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 done enough good, and I've I've gotten rid of enough bad. I, I don't get it. I, something's missing. Maybe you can identify. Nicodemus knew something was missing. The Samaritan woman, she, as soon as Jesus said springs of living water, she knew something was missing. Rich young ruler, something its missing. When I was uh, young, um, I went to church my whole life. I remember um, as a youth group, we uh, went to see um, some of those early Christian movies and, and uh, they're way better now, by the way. <laughs> but uh, there was a movie that was done on the, on the uh, gosh, what was it called? I think it was A Thief in the Night. I think that's what it was called. and It's about the return of Christ. And, uh, but I remember I had a reoccurring dream when I was a kid. I, I can remember it. It's, I, I got it right now. The reoccurring dream was that the Lord had come for the, the rapture and I saw people that I knew and loved floating up into heaven. I don't suppose that's how it's going to happen, but, but in my dream, I see people just floating up into heaven. And the problem was I wasn't floating. And so I began... You know how when you're swimming from the bottom of the pool and you start kicking your feet and stuff? In my dream, I begin to kick my feet. Look like a little frog going up. I'm kicking my feet and taking my arms, trying to get up to heaven. And just little by little, like little by little, I'm, I'm starting to get off the ground a little bit. What a, what a vivid picture in my brain at that time to what I was trusting in to get across the line. And Jesus doesn't really make it that hard. In fact, I think we complicate things. Jesus makes it very simple. You'll notice that before this whole occurrence even happens, Jesus has little kids around him and he makes it really, really simple. He says, just a few verses before, he says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Who are these? These little children. I tell you the truth, unless anyone who will not receive, if, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And with all of our profound messages and with all of our deep understanding of communication, Jesus just makes it so simple. Little kids are completely dependent upon adults and their parents to take care of them. They're completely, this is it. If you don't do it, I'm not gonna be able to eat. If you don't do it, I'm not gonna be cared for. And Jesus says that unless you understand that it's all about trust, it's all about depending on him. That's how we enter into the kingdom of heaven. It reminds me of the trust game we used to play when we were teenagers and maybe young adults. You know what I'm talking about where where people stand behind you and then you, you have to stand like this and, and fall backwards. You, you guys know what I'm talking about? You going Mark, come up here. I'm going to, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to make you do it. Mark's going, I love you, Pastor, but I don't trust you that much, right? You know, there's something, I was was terrible at that game. I was terrible. I couldn't do it. I never could. I, Mark, you could come up here, and I could have John, come, Jonathan come up here, and I could have Michael come up here, and I could have four or five guys come up here, and I am telling you, I, I, I couldn't, I, I don't think I could do it. I, I struggle with that backward falling, even the Lipton T plunge, uh, plunge that they used to, I had a hard time with the Lipton T plunge, and I knew it was water behind me. I, I always had to bend. I always had to do that thing, and it's not that I don't trust that you guys love me. I, I think... I'm pretty sure you love me. I'm almost positive you love me. And I'm almost absolutely positive you wouldn't let me fall. But I would have a hard time doing it. Now, if I was forward and I could see you, I think I could do it. I'd close my eyes, but I, I think I could do it. There's something about that control factor that I struggle with. And some of you know what it's like. We, we struggle letting go of control. And Jesus looks at him with love. You ever wonder why Mark's the only one who brought that little bit in there? Would it surprise you to know, Mark, John Mark, the one who wrote the book of Mark, that is the earliest gospel that we have. Almost the entire book of Mark is quoted by either Matthew or Luke. Almost the entire thing. Mark's the shortest. Mark doesn't even get into the, the birth of Christ. He just kind of starts right into the ministry of Christ. Mark Mark doesn't get into some of the detail that some of the others go into, but it was one of the very first that got out. It, it's one of the in fact it is the earliest. New Testament book. Tradition, as well as many scholars believe, Mark was the rich young ruler. Mark had a way of doing that. He would talk about himself, but he would never mention himself. At, when Jesus, when it talks about Jesus' arrest, he refers to himself in the third person. He, he would never, many believe, ever go so far as to name himself in the book and I like to think that it's Mark brings out that Jesus looked to him in love because Mark was the one looking up into the eyes of Jesus and he realized he didn't hate him he loved him Mark I'm having this conversation with you not because I hate you but because I love you you gotta trust whatever it is you're trusting in, whether it be wealth or relationship or the stuff that you're doing, whatever you are trusting in, if it's not me and what I've done for you, you'll never get across the line. How do we step across the line? Pastor, you use that phrase all the time. How do I step across the line and know that I know that I have eternal life? Four very simple things. Number one, you have to admit. You have to admit that you haven't been trusting in Christ. You've been trusting in other things. You have to admit that you've sinned. And by the way, if that's hard for you, everyone in here has sinned. There is not an individual other than Christ Himself that has sinned. And yet sometimes we have a hard time acknowledging that our sin. Well, wait, yeah, but I'm not as bad. No, you don't understand. Any sin disqualifies us because nothing unholy can enter into the kingdom of God. And so, what does he say? Why well, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Admit. Can you say that with me? Admit. Number two, believe. I have to believe that Jesus died for my sins. I have to believe that Jesus really is who he says he is. He's the Son of God, that he died for my sins, and that he rose from the dead. Paul says it this way, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Notice he doesn't go through a whole litany of things you gotta do or don't do. Now, God does get into that stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I like to say it this way. Uh, Jesus knows how to clean us and clean us up and continue to work in our lives. But as he begins to speak, he says, that stuff comes later. But he says, I want you to know that you are saved, not because of your own merit, Titus chapter three, not because of the good things that you have done. You are saved because of his mercy. You've been washed by the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So I, number one, admit. Number two, I believe. Say, I believe. I believe. Number three, it's interesting what he said. You accept. You accept what he has already done for you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. You have been saved through believing. You did not save yourselves. It was a gift from God. It is not the result of your own efforts. You cannot brag about it. Now, some of you who have an NIV or Endeavor Version, you'll say, for it is by grace that you have been saved. But the New Century Version tries to make it very understandable because sometimes people don't quite know what grace is. Grace is a gift given to us that we didn't pay for. It's paid for by Christ. But he says, you have been saved by grace through believing. And you can't brag about it. And so, what it means is, I am accepting what Christ did for me. Christ, you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You did that to pay for my sins. And I am going to accept the gift that you've given me. Let's say the word accept. Ready? Accept. I want to admit. I want to believe. I want to accept. And then the last one is, I invite. It just simply says, Lord, I am inviting you to be the ruler of my life. I am inviting you to control my life, to lead my life, to guide my life. I love what it says in John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, to all who have received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of a husband's will but born of god i love this passage in john 1 12 he literally says this to all who receive him we were singing a song right before we got into the message oh i'm running to your arms i'm running to your arms And I, in my mind, began to envision the savior of the world with his arms wide open, and we are simply running to him and embracing what he has done in our life. And can I tell you, it isn't because you've done enough right things. It isn't because you have done or not done enough wrong things. It isn't because of your family. It isn't because of your prestige. It isn't because of your money. It isn't because you have the right legacy or have done the right things in life. It isn't any of that stuff. In fact, it isn't even because you're sincere. It's because of what he has done for us, and we simply open our arms and say, I'm yours. Or if you want to do it another way, I give up. I give up trying to do it in my own strength. I give up trying to do I give up trying to cross the line on my own strength. I'm yours. Can you identify I've been to Africa a number of times. I've hunted in Africa several times. Always been fascinated by the impala. Beautiful creature. Do you know that an impala, which stands about this tall, can jump a fence 10 feet high? That an impala, when it is running from danger, can jump and cover 30 feet And do you know that almost all of them in the United States that are in zoos are contained by a three-foot wall of concrete? What? Impala will not jump where they cannot see their feet are going to land. They won't do it. Freedom Easily within their grasp. But they won't do it because they can't see where their feet are going to land. Sounds like a lot of people I know. I trust you. But I can't trust you if I can't see what you're going to do in my life. I would trust you, but I'm afraid of what you're going to ask me to give up. I, I would trust you. I'm afraid, you know what? If you're here today and there's an empty desperation, the Lord is saying, I dare you to completely trust me for eternal life. Let's pray. I wrote a prayer in your notes. I'm going to read it for you. You don't have to worry about it. I would invite you to pray along with me this morning. Dear Jesus, thank you for making me and loving me even when I've ignored you and gone my own way. I realize I need you in my life and I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me and I'm willing with your help to turn away from my sins as much as I know how, I wanna follow you from now on. Please come into my life. Make me a new person inside. I accept your gift of salvation. Please help me to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. And before we lift our eyes, Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. I am going to ask you to do something audacious. Something a little nervy. This morning, I dare you that if you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, I want you to raise your hand and I want you to look at me. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Wow. Wow. Lord, for those who are responding this morning, I believe that today is just simply an evidence of what you have been doing over these months as you're working in people's lives. Now, here's my prayer. Those who have responded in faith, Lord, I pray that you would give them an affirmation within their heart. They are your children. Your word says in Romans chapter 8 that your spirit bears testimony with our spirit that we, that you are our our, our father, that we are your children. I pray that you would bear testimony to that. I pray, Father, that you would affirm that. I pray they would walk in victory today, that they would walk out with security, knowing, Lord, yes, I want to to acknowledge the Lord, that he is the Lord of my life, and I am his child, and I have eternal life. Thank you, Lord. We commit this to you and we ask this of you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, can we give the Lord a hand this morning? He's a great God. Stand up with me, would you? If you'd like to pray with someone, we'd love to chat with you, pray with you. Turn to someone and say, man, it feels earlier than normal this morning. God bless as you go. Have a great day. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry where my fears like jail.